morning. Good to have you here with us this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing to worship with us at the Oldham Lane Church of Christ this morning. And we're so thankful to have you with us, especially if you are visiting. Thank you so much for visiting with us. You are a special guest. We hope that we've been friendly to you and warm and made you feel welcome. And we hope that uh, your, your time in fellowship and worship and study is a blessing to you. Uh, feel free to ask us questions. Let us know if there's any way we can serve you. And uh, if there's any, any questions you have, whether it be about this congregation, your relationship with God, the Bible, whatever it might be, feel free to uh, uh, ask any one of the elders, uh, any one of the ministers, or, or anyone for that matter. We want you to know that uh, we're here to, to serve you and help you any way that we can. Uh, this morning, we want to look at a lesson from one of the parables of Jesus, and so we'll be in Luke chapter 18 this morning, and we'll be looking at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector uh, there in Luke chapter 18. Let, let's, let's look there, and, and I'll read the, uh, the, the verses, and then we'll... Um, We'll start going through some things and see what we can learn about thankfulness from this parable. What can we learn from this parable about thankfulness? That's what we want to look at. Look at the first few verses there, verses 9 through 12. And we want to ask the question, who do you trust in? But let's see what we see there in verses 9 through 12. Jesus says he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all I get. Do you see the beginning here? Do you see what Jesus has set up for us here? We don't know for sure who Jesus is talking to. It might be a general crowd with some Pharisees in it. It might be just to his disciples. We don't know with certainty who exactly he's talking to, but we do know that he says he's talking to some, verse 9, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Do we like people like that? We don't like that, do we? we don't, that's not a positive characteristic, is it? That's not something you shoot for to be yourself, is it? That, that's not something if you were describing yourself, you would want to write even if it were true. That's not something if, if, if somebody told, them, told you that that's how they were, you might wonder uh, whether or not you might want to be their friend. You may not want to be a close friend of theirs. You may not want to work for somebody like that, to be close to somebody like that. That's not a positive thing. 
for somebody to trust in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. We don't like that. But maybe, just maybe, we have some of that, a little bit of that in us. We need to ask ourselves, do I have some of that in me? And then what can I do about it? So let's see what we can learn from this parable. Look again at verses 10 and 12. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Never, perhaps, were words of thanksgiving spoken with so little thankfulness actually in those words. This Pharisee was able to be, uh, uh, have words that express thankfulness with no thanksgiving, didn't he? he? He didn't have any real thankfulness in his heart. He didn't have any real thanksgiving in his words and in his mind. His thanksgiving referred not to what he had received from God, but what? The sins of other people and his good works. That's what he was thankful for. He was thankful for how bad they are and how good I am. He measured himself against others. And it's as if he, when he started to pray, he opened up his eyes and starts looking over there. And he finds the tax collector over there at a distance. And he says, yeah, that guy. Thank you that I'm not like that guy. And, and then it's also like he's praying to God and inviting God to join in with him in celebrating his goodness and his wonderfulness and his righteousness. God, you must be so proud of this excellent servant that you have in me. Thank you for this wonderful servant that you have. Look how good I am. Look how righteous I am. And, oh yeah, and look how bad that guy is. There was no thankfulness in his heart whatsoever. Now, it wasn't really saying much for the Pharisee to compare himself to the tax collector, was it? I mean, if he was going to compare himself, he ought to compare himself to another Pharisee, shouldn't he? I, I mean, after all, the Pharisees were at the top uh, uh, rung of the social ladder. They were uh, uh, meticulous about following the law. They were legalistic about following the law. They even had, there was the laws, and they had fence laws that they built up around the laws because they wanted to make sure that they were just overly righteous and following the law and good and all of that. Now, it's easy in today's time to uh, uh, think of the Pharisees totally negative. But they were considered righteous and, and, and certainly would have done many good things. So they weren't totally bad, bad people, but they were considered the righteous ones in their time. They certainly would have been considered righteous, honored, looked up to, and certainly the tax collector was at the bottom rung of the social ladder, of any ladder, and he was despised, wasn't he? The Jews and the Romans didn't have a good relationship, and, and, and the, the government would uh, contract out, subcontract out, collecting taxes, and there was all kinds of taxes, 
and, and, and somebody might be a tax collector and, and kind of like a, a mob boss that had his own crew and he would have his own people under him uh, uh, collecting taxes all over the place. And so they would go out and most people didn't know that all the intricate tax laws and so they would take advantage of that. And so they would nickel and dime everybody because they didn't know the laws. They could make up any law they wanted. And they would literally uh, rob you blind saying it was a tax and you had to pay it. So as long as they turned in what they had to turn into the government, everything else was theirs to keep. Now don't you know they were raking it in. And of course they were hated. They were despised. And so the Pharisee at the top chooses the guy at the bottom and say, thanks, and I'm not like him. Thank you, God, look at me. I know you're, so, you're, you're, you're rejoicing in heaven because you've got such a wonderful servant in me. Now, Jesus even said in uh, two different places in Matthew and Mark, uh, both, he said that the, Jew, uh, that the Jews even made void, the Pharisees even made void the word of God by their laws, their traditions that they had. Now, what the Pharisees said about himself wasn't technically wrong, was it? He was a righteous person. He did do good works. He did follow the law. He was honored in his community. So he wasn't technically wrong in the things that he said to God. But what was wrong about it? It was wrong because of his heart, wasn't it? It was wrong because of his, his spirit, his attitude. Because in all of these words of thanksgiving, they were completely empty and void and bankrupt of actual thanksgiving. There was no thankfulness in his heart towards God. His prayer was uh, uh, full of pride and self-assurance. His, his first words are that he's thankful for not being like uh, the other man. He tells God how good he is not how good God is. And there's nothing in his prayer but I, I, I. It's all about me to this Pharisee. He was only concerned with what he had done and not what God had done. He sees the tax collector over there, and does he pray for the tax collector? Does he pray that God would use him in the tax collector's life? No, he thanks God that he's not the tax collector when the righteous one should have been praying for the tax collector. The Pharisee seeks nothing from God. There's no, there's no uh, uh, request for forgiveness, mercy, uh, help in any kind of need. There's no prayer for others. He expresses no actual thanksgiving for God's blessings. His attitude tells us that he really doesn't believe he needs God. That's a dangerous position, isn't it? When you're so good, so righteous, so got it all together, that you actually don't even need God. Now, no one would, would verbalize that. But our heart can be saying that. And it really is a matter of thankfulness. Now, who did the Pharisee trust in? Obviously, he trusted in himself, his own righteousness, his own good deeds. And we need to ask ourselves, who do I trust in? Now, if, of course we would give the right Bible class answer and say that we trust in Jesus, wouldn't we? 
Of course, that right answer to any question in church is Jesus. And so that's what we would say, and that's what we would want to believe. But we need to think about how we make decisions, how we go about our life in the depths of our heart. Who do I really, 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 really trust in? Not the Bible class answer. The in here answer. Who do I really trust in? See, do you put all your trust really in your abilities, your intelligence, your past successes, your money, your job, your possessions, or your good works? I got all this. I did all this. Of course I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. Of course I, I know what to do. And, 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 and do you really believe that, that, that you really have the answer to, to every problem? I mean, if people, people just need to come to you to get the answer because you can fix it. You know what to do. You know what people ought to do. You know how to make things better. You know the right answer. They just need to come ask you. Because after all, you've got the ability and the intelligence. And you've got a track record. They just need to come to you because you've got it. Who are you really relying on? Now, are those things wrong? Is money wrong? A job? Intelligence? Absolutely not. Intelligence, not abilities, possessions, none of that's wrong. But it's, it's, it's where's your heart? Because we see something different that, that isn't good in the Pharisees. You might be familiar uh, with uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, verses 5 through 6. Look at what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your what? Own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Who did the Pharisee acknowledge? Himself. Uh, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Now, look at Isaiah chapter 41 and verse number 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Watch this. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for what? I am your God. You're not your own God. God is your God. God is saying, I'm with you. I will strengthen you. Don't depend on yourself to strengthen yourself. Don't depend on your own goodness and your own righteousness and your own ability. And I can just, I'll just uh, grin and bear it. I just grit and I'm, I'm going to do this myself. That's your problem. That was the Pharisee's problem. He said, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with what? My righteous hand. Do you see that? Do you see the difference? The Pharisee didn't do any of that. The Pharisee didn't believe that. But that's what the Christian needs to hold on to. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Paul said in, re in referring to the suffering that they were experiencing, he said, indeed, we felt like that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul was as intelligent and successful as he was. He had everything in the world going for him. And you know, in the Philippian letter, chapter 3, he writes... Uh, in great detail about that. But Paul said he was pushed to the point of where none of that could help him. 
They were at the point of thinking they're about to die. Who do you rely on? You're not Rambo. You can't rely on that last bullet and a bow and arrow and defeat an army. That's not real life. He said, the only person I could rely on was God. And he taught me not to rely on myself, but him who raises the dead. You can't raise the dead. Now, some people claim some people claim it, and there's even some YouTube videos out there. But you know it's not real. Nobody can raise the dead. Now, Paul certainly knew what it was like to rely on and fully trust in God. Now, y'all all going to YouTube and trying to find raise the dead videos. Of, okay. <laughs> Dude. All right. So you, your first thought for some of us is not on God, but ourselves. Our first thought needs to be relying on God that he's going to hold me up. He's going to strengthen me. Why? Because uh, a thankful heart understands who God is and what he's done. When you trust in yourself first, you look to yourself first. You look inward and believe that you have the answers and that you have the solution. And your first thought is of yourself and not God. Your first thought ought to be asking, what do you want me to do, God? What is your will? For me what is your direction what is your word for me and when you trust in yourself your decisions are guiding by your guided by your thinking and not god's will now he made you smart he gave you experiences and abilities and understanding and all of that absolutely use all of that but in the midst of that you see the pharisee wasn't trusting in god that's the difference because his heart wasn't thankful his heart didn't even need god and we're going to see something quite different here because it really is a condition of the heart, an attitude of the heart. Look at verse number 13 in, uh, there in, in uh, our text, Luke 18, verse number 13 on our next slide. When did our first, uh, okay, when, there we go, uh, how does a thankful person pray? We did, uh, maybe it was earlier this year, our first community rehab project where a large group of guys uh, got together, some ladies, even some of the children got together, and uh, we uh, did a major, uh, you know, big, for us, a big project to uh, renovate a home of a wonderful sweet lady named Miss Estella. Uh, we, we were able to work on her house. It was a blessing to be able to do that. When we first went to visit her house to talk to her, to see what the needs were, to see what we might be able to do, uh, she... We were there to look at the house, but she wanted to get to know us. She said, come inside. We're inside. She, she was as sweet as she could be. Her house on the outside needed a tremendous amount of work. The sweet lady had been there for a long time. She was an uh, older lady. She told us about her life, a lot about her. She had uh, not long ago lost her mother, not long ago lost her daughter. Uh, she was uh, aging herself, had health challenges. Uh, this was a lady who had... Uh, by all opinions, would say tremendous need in, in not only her house, her health, uh, financially, just a number of needs that anyone would say, yes, she is. She would definitely, we would consider, uh, be somebody who would be underprivileged or even, even poor. And this lady spent her time uh, talking to us, encouraging us, and getting to know us. She had every earthly reason to not be happy. She had every earthly, every reason in the world, and you wouldn't blame her one bit for being irritated, upset, uh, unhappy, 
and unthankful. And you know what she told us, what story she told us? She told us that she was so thankful because she had some cats that would always come to her backyard and she would feed those cats. They were her cats. They'd come to the backyard. She would always take food to them. But she had not been able to buy more cat food. And she was so worried about the cats coming to eat that day. And that morning she had called Meals on Wheels uh, and asked if they had any cat food they could bring her. And so not long before we got there, they had brought her some cat food, and she was able to feed her cats. And all she could do was talk about how thankful she was to be able to get that cat food and feed her cats. Think about that. She had every other thing to complain about, everything else to be upset about. She should have said, forget those old cats. I need some food. I want to go out and see a movie tonight. I want to go eat at Red Lobster. Who cares about that? They'll eat somewhere else. Somebody else will feed them. She was thankful in all of her need that she got some cat food for those cats. Do you see the lesson Miss Estella taught us? In the midst of all of your needs, in the midst of everything going on, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of challenges, she knew what to be thankful for. She was thankful for every single thing. We told her what we would be able to do. We said, is that okay, Miss Estella? Is that going to be okay with you? Do you like that? She said, I'm so thankful for whatever you can do for me. I'm so thankful for whatever you can do. I'm so thankful for the... The food Meals on Wheels brought me to feed these cats. What a wonderful story that she taught us about being thankful for the cat food. The smallest, most insignificant thing she could have been thankful for. And certainly she was thankful for everything else. Now look at verse number 13 in our text. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector's prayer is much different than the Pharisee's prayer. He doesn't come for a show. He's not wanting everybody to see him. He's not making a scene. Instead, he's over there in sorrow, beating his breast, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And some even say that the way the Greek is written there, it doesn't actually say, it's not emphasizing a sinner, but he's saying the sinner. And if you remember, Paul said uh, that he was the chief of sinners when he talked about his conversion story. And he said, uh, he's telling how God changed his life, and he said, I'm the, I'm the chief of sinners, or the foremost, or sinner of sinners. And that's the same thing uh, some say the tax collector is saying, I'm not just a sinner, I'm the sinner i'm the lowest you can get i'm the sinner have mercy on me god and that's the kind of prayer he was praying paul uh, uh said that in first timothy 1 15 now look at verse number 16 uh, of first timothy 1 15 but i look look this is the same thing as the tax collector verse number 16 but i received mercy for this reason 
See mercy there? I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, that chief of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. That's exactly what the, uh, the situation the tax collector was in right then. Now, look at Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 11. We don't have time to go through all of that, but you, you know that text there that Paul says in verse 7, whatever uh, was gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Watch, not having a righteousness of my own, Pharisee, but that that comes from or that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, tax collector, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. What was the only thing Paul was worried about? That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And that by any means possible, I might obtain a resurrection of the dead. That's how a thankful person approaches God. That's how a thankful person lives their lives. They're not dependent on themselves, but on God. The tax collector doesn't think of anyone else and and only about how he needs God. And the Pharisee can only think about himself and how he isn't like all those people and how good he is. So who is it that God justifies? Verse number 14. Who is it that God justifies? Jesus finishes the parable and he says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That word justified means uh, shown to be made right to be put in right standing with God, or, or Robert and Kevin would say acquitted, to be uh, you know, set free and put in right standing and good standing. And the basis of the tax collector's justification is his sense of need, his throwing himself on the mercy of God and the compassion of a God who forgives sinners. And Jesus says, that's who you're supposed to be. So what does Luke record right after this parable? Do you see it in there? He records Jesus coming to the little children. And they were coming, the the infants, Jesus was holding the kids, blessing the kids. And the disciples shoo away the kids and, and rebuke them. And Jesus says, stop, let the little children come because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Unless you become like a child. You shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Who's he talking about? He's talking about children, but who, who was like a child? The Pharisee or the tax collector? You see that tax collector? He just threw himself at the mercy of God. Children just come to God. They just come to Jesus. They don't come with a show. They don't come with trying to say they're anybody. They just, they just come like that tax collector. I need you. I love you. I want to be with you. That's a thankful a thankful person. Psalm 107.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. See, oh, we need to be thankful for his mercy. We need to say, Thank you, Lord, for his love. Thank you, Lord, for what he blesses you with. Thank you, Lord, for your family. You need to say, Thank you, Lord, for your church family. Thank you, Lord, for your food. Thank you, Lord, for your cat food. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you drive. And it might ride smooth or it might ride rough, but be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for your house, whether it's new or needs some TLC. Be thankful for what God has given you. Be thankful for your job. You may need a better one, but at least you've got one. Be thankful for your job. Be thankful for your money. You could probably use more, but be a better steward of what you have. Be thankful. Be thankful for your struggles that you have because God teaches us lessons and God is there with us through our struggles. Be thankful for God being there through our struggles and those struggles helping us to get stronger and more faithful to him. And most of all, we need to be thankful for the love of God in our life and the salvation through Jesus Christ. Don't you want to be more thankful? I want to be more thankful to God. And when I'm thankful, that solves a lot of problems, doesn't it? One older person, we were collecting food one time for Christian service, the Christian Service Center, and uh, I won't say Jack Payne's name, but we were talking about some of the food collected, and one of the cans was a can of spinach. And I happened to comment about that not-too-yummy can of spinach. And Jack said something that was really wonderful, a lesson in Thanksgiving. And he said, when we were growing up, you were thankful to have anything to eat, and you ate it. And I thought that was wonderful. We don't, <laughs> we don't really think that way too much anymore nowadays, do we? But we should, shouldn't we? Be thankful for your spinach. Be thankful for your cat food. Most importantly, be thankful for a God who forgives sinners and his salvation through Jesus Christ. We can help you this morning. We're here for you. You can come forward now as we together stand and sing.